he has like a yoga studio in like Central America yeah, somewhere. Yeah, yeah. That's so cool. Like, um, I'll never be that cool. Like, I just realized I'll never be that cool. Like, whiskey warm to wake in. Have some fun while you're here. Do you listen? Do you hear? It's coming in loud and clear. Hey, everybody. Uh, welcome back. My name is Lee Michaels. I'm Patrick Callahan. And we are continuing with episode number five of Battle Scars, the entrepreneurial podcast. Um, for those who don't know who we are, uh, Patrick and I started a company in Wilmington, Delaware called The Archer Group in 2003. Yep. And, uh, and we ended up selling it in 2014. We were about 75 people when we sold it. It was a web design group and uh, doing work for clients such as Wawa, Chase, and a bunch of others. So this is our first podcast uh, with a guest, and today we are blessed with Rob. Hey you guys, tell your story. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> really happy to be here. Yeah, excellent. It's funny when you put a mic in front of somebody; it's like you're wearing spandex all of a sudden. You've got to act the way. You have to yeah, yeah. You got to be <laughs> proper cool. on the microphone. I hear you wearing spandex. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. That usually ends up in the beginning of the podcast too, as he clips it through. Um, but. Uh, we thought of Rob for a couple of different reasons. The, the theme of this one is um, the power of accidental interactions. Um, so running into people and stuff like that, what that means for your business and um, how you make those things happen. Are they accidental or not? And Rob um, has started the mill here in Delaware. It's one of the first co-working spaces or one of the first co-working spaces that I remember to open up in Delaware and uh, wildly successful. You've had a couple of them and it's, you know, it's, it's so interesting to see the, the governor on down to all the different large businesses coming in saying, well, we need to talk to entrepreneurs. Let's go over to Rob's and like hang out there or whatever. But it just seemed like it, uh, it is a good place to do it. I've kind of become the stereotypical millennial entrepreneur, particularly in the governor's eyes where they yeah. just call me and I'm like, I don't, I'm not like Cause everything you do an is authority successful. on this at all, but I'm happy to talk about it. <laughs> yeah. You know, like everything you do is right, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And particularly for me, like I remember um, we started out in our, a floor up in, in the IMP building here in Wilmington, Delaware for the last company I had. And um, I remember walking through with you at every step of the way as we started, as you started to build this thing. And yeah. your, your backstory, I'd just love to just give us a little bit of a click through you of you, I think you were from Dover originally and then um, moved up to New York City. Just, Dover, yeah, Dover, Dover, Delaware. Is that um, where the accent comes from? Yeah, yeah, that's the accent. Um, born and raised Delawarean, and uh, I always wanted to be an architect, so I went and I, and I always wanted to play soccer. So I played uh, soccer at NJIT and went to architecture school and then ended up with a career in New York City for a firm called Perkins Eastman. And this kind of leads into the accidental interactions. But, and the only reason why my career drastically changed was that uh, Perkins Eastman, well, actually it was the other way around, the founders of WeWork wanted to hire the largest firm in Manhattan. That's just, who's the biggest firm? Perkins Eastman at the time. That was their qualification. That was it. And it was two young guys. Uh, we got this money, let's go up there. Ba basically, like, and they didn't even have the money at the time. They, were, they, they had received an early round of funding. But Miguel McKelvey and Adam Newman like, marched in and proclaimed they were going to be the biggest client. Of Perkins Eastman again, the largest firm. Like, <laughs> like, like, uh, I, I couldn't even rattle. Perkins Eastman has huge client list, right? Yeah. They're, they're a global company, and the only reason why I got pulled into the room was because I was one of the few young people left 
like, or I was just hired, uh, and that was right after 2008. So like every like the place had cleaned house, yeah. right? So yeah. so I was just a young guy around there. The cheap help was still there. Yeah, yeah. And they're like, well, we can't have give a it to the intern. Yeah. So they basically, were, and, and the fact that I was like one of the few young employees, they were like, just throw Rob in the room, and I was in there, and I just like just totally ate up what they were throwing down. And like, they had like, we're gonna change the world with our concept and, you know, and it was just fascinating to watch that. And then I left the room really enthusiastic where my, I'll never forget my boss was like, settle down, you know, like, like, <laughs> like I, you know, like Memorial Sloan Kettering at the time owed us like $25 million, right? So like it was a bad times and like these kids are not gonna be the ones to pay our bills. It was right. kind of the vibe right. of right. the, of the, 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 at the time. So I was like, oh, can I take them on on the side? Can I do this? This is awesome. And, uh, but then fast forward, by the time I left, we, we split up from Perkins Eastman. I was part of this big sort of diverse where the company split off into S9 architecture and Perkins Eastman. And I was in the middle of that because WeWork was a client they were fighting over. And WeWork became the biggest client of wow. the company, which was like so fun to watch that like wow. transition. Wow. And then if I could touch on one more thing too, the dynamics of me being a young, naive kid. When I left, I was like the running point on the, I was the WeWork project manager. So I had, I had lucrative projects. It was kind of like a, to, we were just churning out deals and it was just printing money because it was easy. It was like rinse and repeat. And I had this young team around me that was doing all this and I had such an arrogant, like, pro like I was so full of myself in a, in, a, in a profession that like, if you're not a white male with gray hair, you don't make money yeah. in architecture. That's generally, wow. the, if you think about it, like that's your perception. They wear yeah. big, thick yeah. glass frames. Yeah. And I was this young, crazy ass kid who was outspoken, loudmouth, didn't know my place. And that was kind of my kickoff of the career. <laughs> and, and in that process too, I even wanted to leave and, and only design WeWork in WeWork. So I tried to build an office there, but still as part of Perkins Eastman. Yeah. And all that stuff just pissed so many people off. Like I, I had kind of had this rubbed up against so many different things, but all that to say, and we're going to get into some of the interaction stuff of what happens in co-working spaces. But through that experience, I met so many wild people that I look back on today and I'm like, did that happen? Like, yeah. wow, that was super cool within the WeWork in their community space. Like, yeah. um, so step back for a second, way back. Yeah. I have a sister. She's always saying, like, if you're going to be a chef, you got to live in New York City once in your life. Yeah. Or if you're in technology, you got to live in San Francisco once in your life. Yeah. When you moved to New York. Was it for the connections or was it for the experience? Like, how did, do you remember that? Absolutely. Yeah. I, I think it's, if you want to be an architect, you should live in, work, New York. live in New York for a little bit. I think there was a bit of that. I mean, there's other, I mean, architectures, there's so many wonderful architects in every country in the world. I, I, I tend to like love the bizarre architects in like Columbia or somewhere else. But, yeah. but in New York City, I got to cross paths with so many fascinating, well-known designers uh, I did a, in the we it wasn't through WeWork, but around that era, I, I did a, a project with Ian Schreger. That oh, was my claim to fame. Yeah. Because like doing it, to be, also to be clear, like with us and tech guys, it was cool to be involved with WeWork now. But at the time, doing interior fit outs is not like a sexy thing for an yeah. architect. It was kind of like throwaway, right? Right. And that's kind of why I got away with it as a young kid, because they're like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> but through that and through building this team out, I got to work with Ian Schreger. And now this is like, 
creme de la creme. Ian Schrager was the founder of Studio 54. Okay. So I got to work oh, with wow. him directly, which wow. was like, I mean, talk about yeah. gangster, man. Like, yeah. The guy was so cool. And then like, he went hotel, right? Yeah, so, so he did, was doing a Christie Street hotel at the time. I did not get too involved with that, but I did 160 Leroy Street. It's on the West Side Highway. And we worked with Herzog and Demuron. They're a Swiss architecture firm. And I was the local boots on the ground architect. Mm -hmm. But I did all the interiors for the project. Um, and that was like, so now I, my game had stepped up. Cause, and I got there through the WeWork channels, right? And that was just super cool. I mean, like, to see how Ian, like, that's probably why I do a lot of real estate today. Because he was like a, he was a real estate developer who was obsessed with design. And I think I've kind of built my career more on that than even my WeWork influence. Yeah. But, um, but again, just talking about just being incredibly privileged to be in New York and be around these people. Yeah. It was so cool. Yeah. And to talk about like how Rob feels so much strongly about architecture. We were talking about like the uh, uh, going to uh, what did we do during the pandemic. And he came back and painted his walls and tried to make his place look even better, which yeah. found awesome. the most interesting creative tile <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah it's like it's literally elmer glue on there <laughs> nobody needs to know yeah, yeah. <laughs> no one will know. so um for those that don't know about the mill tell us like fill everybody in because we're going to talk about bumping into people and that happens a lot of co-working which is why we thought you'd be perfect for that tell everybody about the mill yes so the mill was kind of my of years of experience of building co-working spaces for someone else it was my chance to build one the way i wanted to build it and, and, it, and particularly, particularly in my hometown in Wilmington, Delaware. And so the mill is a co-working space. I really believe in sort of the informal interaction as part of design. And I can talk through some of those things that we do here to, to force that, those interactions. Yeah. Yeah. But it, it was my interpretation of taking a lot of Delaware-centric things like the Hagley Museum patent models in the lobby which is unique to us, which kind of speaks to Delaware's innovative culture, right? And then a lot of the millwork pieces are kind of obsessive things that I always wanted to do. And the spacing, the layouts were, were kind of my, my, what I thought it should be. And, and even, even then, things I wanted to do at WeWork that I wasn't allowed to do, like I believe strongly that, that the artwork should change and evolve constantly. Hmm. And they never did that because of the cost and logistics of it. And I do that here. And it's a great way I believe any kind of company when you can get the art world like tattooed artists in here working next to fintech bank guys that's a beautiful interaction and they both appreciate it that's awesome and, and that's awesome. this was kind of my concept that needed to happen and I, I think I, I wasn't going there when I was had other clients outside of WeWork too I've worked with other co-working companies and I kind of wanted to take my own approach to it so about how many people, like before the pandemic, about how many people, you said you're full now as well. But Yeah, we're, we're in the 400s now. Wow, so we, 400 companies or people? Or? Uh, we call them membership-based. Okay. So like we have 400 members that are like paying customers. So keep in mind we have like a lower tier of like 60 bucks a month. Sure. And, and out of that, we've got over 90 or in that range. Okay. And they, they may or may not come in from time to time. Sure. But then um, we have companies as large as DuPont in here that have 40 employees and then we have zip code Wilmington that has students, which I don't count in that number. Um, and then we also have a lot of people that want uh, virtual office, which is another membership thing where they just use conference rooms from time to time, mm -hmm. and we they want a mailing address. That's awesome. But okay. yeah, so that's that's generally our numbers, and we're we're trying to. My goal was always to push close to a thousand with the second location in Delaware. Um, 
but yeah, we'll get there. That's crazy. just the pandemic knocked us down a bit. Yeah. As I did. And I remember like walking through this space with you and I remember bringing Chris Buccini up to another co-working space up in uh, Philadelphia. And, um, he was like, you know, why, why would you blow on this? And I was like, well, I don't have to have a 10 year lease. That's part of it. But it wasn't the driving reason. I was like, you can't invest in like the, um, the overlap or juxtaposition of running into somebody who's like totally not in your business. Yeah. It's almost like why you interweave art with your, the businesses that are here to bring right. that creativity out. Right. The, the peanut butter, like chocolate, whatever. Like, and you used to do Ignites in Wilmington just for that reason. Like we would, it's, it's, not, it's not what's going on on stage. It's not the piece of art. It's the discussions around it that actually is more valuable than anything. And I was like, Chris, this stuff is really good. Like you gotta really invest in this kind of thing, whatever. I can't. I can't agree more. Yeah. And there's. And you probably see it every day here. Oh yeah. 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 And, and and there's a common thread in in an artist and even somebody who's in here doing a large fintech company. I always like to look at those two, or even a lawyer in here. There's a, you're cut from a certain cloth to want to be here. Yeah. And, and 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 that fosters other interesting interactions and that like in, entrepreneurial sort of I mean, I, I just love entrepreneurs and the, what they bring to the table. These are not people that look around and like somebody ought to do something. <laughs> yeah. Right. Like that, that sort of vibe and culture I struggle with. Yeah. And, and these are, and I surround myself with the people that I love and right. These are problem solvers in here, man. Even from the artists, right. They feel like they could bring value in some way. And like, that's so, I don't want to diminish that all. They're, they're phenomenal people, but they, but they look at a problem totally different from the analytical yeah. fintech guy, but they all want to solve a problem of some yeah. sort, right? Yeah. And that's what I, I just, that's what I surround myself, I surround myself with all those types of people, you know? How did it happen for you landing here and then, because you're an entrepreneur, but also you've created space so that other people can run into each other, whether they be entrepreneurs or even whatever they do. Like, how did that? I, well, I wanted, I wanted to land in Delaware for a lot of reasons, but I was looking for the largest office floor plate in Delaware. So I also understand the business model really well. So it's not just like a lot, so many people try to build cohort companies. And I, throughout the pandemic, I, I have done tons of consulting with cohort companies that have either been closing down or struggling and need to revamp their operations. And I'm so familiar with the business model. That's one thing randomly this young architect at WeWork got to look under the hood of how they structured their financials because it wasn't separated right you could see the the floor plan ties directly to the business okay plan. okay and so scale was important so this is a thirty-three thousand square foot floor plate this one floor that means i could have one person at the front desk working it with thirty-three thousand. there's very few buildings in delaware that have that scale wow and so this is one of the few that actually worked financially and it, it's a tight margin business and you got to know those things like i know that there's others that have opened up recently and they're going to be financially backwards for a while they're listening to this yeah. and, and i and, and they 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 talked to me about it and i was i you know yeah i tried to explain that but yeah. that's we, one thing i understand really well you know we um I sort of jumping ahead of one of my things but um at archer when we expanded we started with one floor and then we moved to a second floor essentially went up a building and then, <laughs> yeah. um you fought that too. Yeah, because yeah, somebody had told me once that HP did a study and it said the half-life of information is six feet. That <laughs> you know, the, amount, wow. the amount that somebody knows, it, like it's going to and, and so we were moving half our team to another floor. And we really struggled with how do we properly separate them so that we don't lose the benefit of us having them together. 
Right. Because our strength was, we felt our strength was at the time was that we integrated technology and design. And that sounds like everybody's doing that now, but that was not the time at the time. It was, there were design agencies that grew up from print and then there were tech firms that grew up um, from coding and the internet world was bringing those two together. And so as we were growing, we were really struggling to figure out how do we divide that? And it really did impact us. Like yeah. it, putting them on two floors became an issue. It, right. and that investment in cutting a big hole in the floor for the next design, like you, you were talking about, yeah, was, we have was, to. ended yeah. up being worth it because the you know, what idea would spark as a result of not getting into an elevator and going downstairs? Right. You're just not going to, you know? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Sort of getting into this whole uh, accidental interactions, I think the pandemic has made it, has shown everybody that they could work from home. Right. Out of necessity, but also there's some perks. You can run your laundry throughout the day. You can pick up your kids. You can have breakfast with them, those sorts of things. But starting up, like, I think it also highlighted that you need to get out and interact with people. And Absolutely. And I think that um, getting out of your sort of bubble, if you're, if you're Zooming with people that you want to interact with, first off, they have to Zoom back. They, you know, it has to be worthy of a Zoom. Right. Where if you happen to be in the same building as somebody else and you have just a quick question, like, how do I record three tracks on GarageBand? I can find somebody, <laughs> right. <laughs> you know? Right, yeah. Um, and yeah. so I think that um, as, a, as an entrepreneur starting up, you might think you have everything you need in your bubble and with your friend network that you can Zoom and chat and everything like that, but it's extremely important to have the ability to bump into other people that might have just a passing fancy and something that you might, uh, you might have a problem with. Without question. And, and sometimes it takes time to, to build that relationship. In a quirk space, too, it's not like you just bump into somebody and brilliance happens. You bump into somebody 15 times, and you're like, oh, you know, I mean, I've been meaning to ask you. And then it, it take, relationships take time. And sure. you don't build that in one Zoom meeting. Right, right. And, 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 and that can happen. Yeah, yeah, and I, I just love the informal brushing shoulders with somebody. And like, and like when Patrick was here all the time, just touching base and then randomly, I'd be like, Patrick, I got this random idea for startups in Delaware. And then we'll elaborate on it, right? Yeah. And maybe it sticks, maybe it doesn't, but we, we got to be able to... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> of course, all these ideas are terrible. But you yeah. got to be able to throw spaghetti up against the wall and see right. what sticks. And I think in these environments, you can do that. And it, I think It's so interesting. When we all just got here in the room um, a little while ago, I wrote down like... The first three statements. Hey, check out the beer that Rob brought in his first date. Did you know the guy? Oh, yeah, he said he used to work with you at Archer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then, and then the next statement was like, yeah, we ran into a problem and we called the mayor on our insurance clause or whatever. <laughs> like yeah. those in, interactions that you had accidentally during yeah. that whole build out. Yeah. No one can just. I, I've talked to people who are in their house, heads down, whatever. They're not going to call the mayor and the mayor's not going to say, I mean, I'm sure he would say that. He'd love to help out. Yeah. But yeah. that interaction of being out in the workforce and building those relationships. You have to. It's crazy. You have to. And I feel like I've lived in Wilmington now my entire life and I've only been here six years. People yeah. forget that. Um, <laughs> You're pretty young. <laughs> I know, I know. I've only been in Wilmington six years now and uh, I just, because of, I feel like you get accelerated in your Delaware connections being in the mill. Yeah. Like I kind of got this front row seat and it's like, this is my little Petri dish of cool things happening. And I get to meet so many people, including the mayor, including yeah. the governor, including uh, the politicos or whatever. But aside from that, so many interesting people like yourselves. And like, I just got this front row seat basically through informal interactions. And like a lot of times I didn't even invite people here and they're just here and you brush shoulders and you hang out with them. 
and like it's helped elevate my my personal brand which is not something that I try to focus on but it also like lets me focus on things I'm passionate about I got to steer my career yeah. being like I'm not doing that I'll do that <laughs> like I'll try this out and I, I do a lot more than just run a co-working company now yeah. like and I got my fingers in so many things because of me just like like I own a liquor store now just just because yeah. right and a very I, good one yeah yeah, yeah there <laughs> you go it's cool like um I've, we're sitting in the mill right now. I haven't been here in a few months. And yeah. when I came back in, all the memories flashed back. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think I actually had one employee live here for three weeks that we didn't know <laughs> was actually living here. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, but anyways, yeah. it was in some events, it was actually packed. And, and then the other events, it was like a wedding or a, a shower or something like that. We and did that once, yeah. <laughs> that was awesome. It was super cool. Exactly. Really? Yeah, they had, a, they had a rehearsal dinner here or something. I don't know. <laughs> I was like, I, all right. I thought it was like a uh, a wedding shower. I don't know, but anyways, yeah. Like you had, like it just reminded me, like you have to come to a billion of these different things to maybe get that one that becomes the defining moment for the rest of your life, whatever. Right. But you have all of them here, so it's it's great. Right. I forgot about all those fun events. It's been a weird exactly. two years with no events, but <laughs> yeah. we've done so many silly things here. Yeah. One of my favorite was, you know, I I got to know, talking about informal interactions and then meeting your heroes, but I, I uh, got to meet Rich Rote. Remember him from House Industries? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. He, just came, he just came to the mill one day and was like hanging out. I got to know him. I, I watched him do a lecture at University of Delaware. I was already a fan, but he just showed up and he was just sitting in our lounge area and I was like, that's Rich Rote. Like, I was super excited. <laughs> I was like, that's the House Industries guy and we got talking and he was like, hey man, I heard you run Theater Inn. I read about the mill in the newspaper. I just wanted to see what it's all about. I think it just looks cool. And I gave him a tour. We talked for a while. And he was like, hey, this might be bizarre, but like my son is in a rock band. Could he play here and we do an event? And I was like, you're rich. You can do whatever <laughs> so you want. Like, Dude, let's make this happen. <laughs> so we did a live music show. We ended up doing it twice. And uh, we, we did a couple things from that first show. We, we got to know each other. Then um, he did a presentation in Theater N about house industries and like their progression, all the cool things like from the Jimmy Kimmel sign to like album covers to like just awesome. cool stuff. Man. Yeah, he was releasing a book, right? Yeah, he was releasing a book and he did yeah. book signing. I got that yeah. book. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and it was a phenomenal event. Like it was I one of my favorite. I answered the question and was supposed to get a t-shirt out of that. Yeah, it, <laughs> you didn't get one. It, yeah. All right, Andy, if you're listening, you're going to bring it. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but, but, uh, but also just uh, like stepping outside of the business stuff, I just got to know them. I didn't know Andy Cruz while just, Rich just showed up and he was more outgoing of the two. And um, I started dabbling with some potential ideas of working with them on some stuff. And um, we did one more show with the Matson Two, this well-known band of theirs from California. This place was a, t we threw a rager in here, like hundreds of people, you could hardly move. It was a full <laughs> Floors on, were sticky the next day. Floors yeah. were sticky. And uh, this is kind of sad and chokes me up a little bit, but. I went to Nomad Bar with him afterwards with Rich. At this point, we were close. And I was like, Rich, and I'm working so many hours. We talk about entrepreneurs being lonely. Yeah. yeah. And I'm like, I don't get a lot of time with my kids. And I'm super stressed all the time. This is really weighing on me. And he just looked at me and he was like, Rob, it gets better. 
and he's like, I just held a rager for my son, like for his rock band. Yeah. And he's like, I'm their biggest groupie. I travel around with them. Yeah. And he was like, it doesn't get any better than that. Yeah. And he said, and cause I'm an entrepreneur and I have the means now. And he's like, you're going to get there. Just, yeah. just relax, man. Yeah. And just having that little, you know, yeah. we were, just having that little support was huge. Yeah. He, he, uh, he died exactly three weeks later. Yeah. It was two I remember and a half. that. Yeah. And, uh, but just to know that he was in such a good place and the way he outlined it to me, like, yeah. He worked like hard I went through there, that too. Yeah, he's like, I went through what you're going through, man. Everybody does, but like, it's worth it. Uh, um, one thing I want to key in on there is that you two didn't just bump into each other accidentally on the street. Yeah. It's like you knew about each other because of the interactions you had had before. Right. And and so that's part of this accidental interaction is you may continue to see somebody around that yeah, spot, then, you know. And eventually, like you said, you're going to strike up the whatever to say, hey, I want to talk to you about this. Yeah. And it doesn't happen just because you bump into one event. It's because you're at 19 events. It's yeah. because you're, um, because you see each other every day at the co-working space or you see each other at the coffee shop. Right. Um, and I think that that people, sometimes people starting out will say, all right, well, I'm going to join this chamber. Or I'm going to go to this thing, but I better get something out of it. Yeah. And that's you know? so forced. Yeah. And, and. And they, saying yes to every one of them too. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it's so exhausting. Hard. It's and you exhausting. miss your kid's stuff. Right. Yeah. For those kind of interactions too. Yeah. This is like a networking while you're doing your day to day nine to five stuff. Too. Yeah. Like you're you're brushing shoulders just naturally. Yeah. And some of it, um, like you've got to put in that time. You've got to right. you've got to build that credibility. And it's not credibility by you pumping your chest and saying I'm so good right it's by you just being there it's by you helping to yeah. move the stuff to let the band in it's by right you know, it's what people see you doing work and they want they want to be a part of that and they you know or they see you having fun and they want to be a part of that absolutely so um, do you think an introvert could be ex, uh, successful with accidental like I almost I almost think it's better suited for introverts so what way yeah because extroverts are kind of they're a lot and they do well in, in those formal networking setups where introverts kind of struggle with that and here you 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 get people comfortable right and you get to know each other that's really and that's point. where you kind of like yeah. slowly evolve like i think of my friend steve williamson who who works for tap network phenomenally talented coach probably and this i hope this doesn't get out there too much but like i get to see a lot of the coders right and these big projects start up here people take all these feeds and eventually lands on his desk to eventually solve. You know, he's that guy get to get it done, and especially here in the middle. Like he's yeah. super talented, but he's, he's like, he's not as outgoing. And like, this was great for him because he got to, to sort of interact and he's built products for some of the biggest companies in Delaware, along with traffic cast, along with a handful of others. Wow. And, uh, it's cool to see that. And he's, an, I, Steve's one of my close friends and I don't know if he sees himself as an introvert, but he's, you know, like yeah. he's not as outgoing, but this has been really good for him in my wow. opinion, you know? All right, so favorite story on an inter like an accidental like interaction. Um, well, I'm gonna go with the one that sort of kicked us off, yeah. which was uh, Joe D. Oh, yeah. So Patrick and I, we had our own inter accidental interaction where Fast Company used to have this uh, company of friends, is what they called it, and it was this. Um, it's a modern day meetup. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Meetups before there were meetups. Yeah. And we met at the the closed Wilmington Brewing Company, which is. Right around here, somebody over there. Lawyer Row, yeah. Yeah, and we, we were at a table of 20 people, and it was you, me, and um, a couple, like obviously 18 other people. But um, we, we just bumped into each other, and we sort of just traded cards and traded interactions. And, and then um, 
we ended up meeting at another tech event and saying, all right, let's do this. You were starting an email company. I was trying to do something on my own. I just sold my other company. I was like, I just want to do something. And um, we're at a coffee shop trying to figure out our business. Like, what's this going to be? I remember you literally had like the notebook open. You're drawing pictures and that kind of thing. <laughs> we're both just try- like, how do we make money at this? Yeah, you know? yeah, like, we yeah. like working with each other, but we got to figure this thing out. Yeah. Because we have kids and bills to pay, you know? Right, right, right. And in walks this guy who was a sales rep for Lycos at the time. Like this was formerly Lycos. So, you know, the old search engine that got, you know, this was like before Yahoo and Google and all those. Um, And he was working for a company here in Wilmington that had a big budget from a pharmaceutical company to do a website focused on women's health. And he's been trying to find somebody to do it. He walks in, sees me there. I used to work at it. I used to own a web design company. He said, I need to talk to you. And we're sitting there. And we're sitting there. So we had this interaction, then we set up a time, we met again. That never, ever would have happened if we weren't there at that coffee shop and he didn't walk by and he didn't have enough knowledge of like and belief in what I was doing or what we were doing to say, I want to talk to you. Yeah. yeah. And that ended up being the client that got us off the ground. Yeah, we said we're gonna, it was $300,000. I don't <laughs> mind saying it. Like, you know, it was... Um, it was $300,000 to a company that was like two people. That's right. So, That's but he didn't amazing. know that. Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. So we had to become a bigger company. And right we had away. to say yes to like things that we could not do, but we did. We ended up doing. Yeah. And we yeah. said, we're going to use that as a runway to build the next company kind of thing, or to build the company. And this was Joe D. Yeah. Joe D. Giovanni. Yes. Yeah. All right. That's my man. Yeah. He worked yeah. out of the mill while we were okay. in full circle. Right. He, had yeah. that corner he, he had a guitar here. with a super zen Buddha in the corner. <laughs> he was awesome. Yeah. I love Joe. So he is the best. Oh and my I still, God. every he's time I see him, I said, he's the one who started off here. Like, but I didn't know him. You know, I know him real well now. But and he started a bunch of other businesses. He has like a yoga studio in like Central America yeah, yeah. somewhere. Yeah, yeah. That's so cool. It, it, like, um, but yeah, absolutely. I'll best. never be that cool. Like, I just realized I'll never be that cool. Like, you're on our podcast. What's your best? Yeah, yeah. Um, mine was real quick, but so Fast Company was where we met. Fast Company and Inc. Magazine ended up being a client of ours, right? And the way that came out, so it was a big client. We're, like, Lee and I go up to New York City. You guys City. landed Fast Company? We landed Fast Company. All right, so we go, let me tell we you. We drove there in a gold cap. You guys are, like, the ultimate bullshit artists like, of all time. Spinners. <laughs> so, yeah, we won them. And we would go up to New York City, Joe Mansueto's building and stuff like that. There were all these, like. Um, yeah, it was when he bought it. Yeah. And so. What was it? One of the fashion models was all there, so all these fashion models were walking around. I'm like, we're like, oh. Jennifer Callahan, I think, was her name, right? <laughs> <laughs> so that was the connection. So the way we got it was my wife was at a bowling party for children, like a birthday party, and you go bowling, and the guy playing next to her knew her because she was an intern for him at Amtrak, and he said, like, so what are you doing now? And she's like, oh, I'm you know stay at home mom with the kids, and my husband has an internet company design company. He's like. Oh, he does designs on internet websites? And she's like, yeah. She's like, can I get his information? So I got his information. <laughs> Literally, like, it became, can you guys do a project for us? <laughs> New York City, baby. Here's where we are. And we drove in That's a gold Cadillac wild. with Louis Vuitton. <laughs> he had a gold Cadillac. It was crazy. But that, I mean. Well, whose gold then, Cadillac was this? It was this. The bowler guy. The, the guy. The guy. Who's still us. around. Yeah. And I really appreciate the fact that he took. <laughs> Well, the fact that he didn't know very much about us, but the um, but then when you, you when you did that, it's amazing. like walk exactly walking into the next client, like we, we're working for Fast Company magazine, like yeah. oh, 
okay, then you now must know what you're doing. So you're just validating. Like, no, my <laughs> wife just plays really good bowling with like kids. Yeah. But uh, no, you don't leave that part out. But yeah, no, yeah. We, and we did learn. We did. We delivered well for them and stuff like that. But um, yeah. yeah and I, I think it's those things you just can't, you can't predict them. You can't, put, yeah. like you're saying, you can't chart your career path. But if you're not out there getting up at the plate, going to these things or bumping into people or you know, finding reasons to talk, it's not going to happen. Right. Rob, and, and having favorite. the confidence to go and do that too. Yeah. Like it takes a certain level of crazy. And I commend you guys for that. <laughs> like it takes a certain level of crazy. Like and I so can, you've got this it. company, I got this. Yeah. <laughs> like no problem. Because like, so many people have, have the fear of getting the deal, mm-hmm. but then absolutely failing after you get it. Like yeah. how do you recover from that? So, so kudos to getting it done after you got it. Because yeah. there's a whole yeah. under the hood, yeah. how the sausage is made process, which I've seen. And, and by the way, like the more I've grown in my career and I get to look under the hood, the higher up a company corporate structure you get, the more you realize how chaotic it really is. It there's is. nobody who's perfect. Yeah. There's no company who has the perfect systems in place. It's yeah. chaos. Well, the closer uh, you get to the controlling decision makers, and the, stories- the more chaotic. And you guys... When you get into that hood, you yeah. realize that. And that's, what I, that's the big secret, if I could get still anybody who's listening to this right now, is that there's, no matter what company it is, right? Yeah. Like, the higher up to the decision maker, closer to the decision maker you get, the more chaotic it gets. Is and that fair? You, nobody has all the answers. Nobody has sure. all the answers. For you sure. just got to be willing to grind And when you say chaotic, it, right? it's, it's me. It's like, it's just exact same at the bottom. It's, there's no difference. Right, right, right. Yes. It's not like somebody's got it all figured out. Yeah. You know, like, right. I'll figure out my part, but I'm sure they'll figure it all out up top. <laughs> yeah. 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 No, 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 no. It's a mess. It's a mess. So, every, every, no matter what industry, what business, it's just human beings making errors constantly. Yeah. But having the confidence to, to get, stumble through it, right? Yeah. And you only do that by doing it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So then you, you got to have a story, I'm sure, like of, an, of something you ran into, like your wife playing bowling or something like that. That. Well, I think... How did you meet the Buccini? I was going to say that, like, I have, I mean, my, first of all, I have so many, it's hard to pick one. Yeah. And uh, my, my brother looked at me, and I always love this quote because it's so true. Um, this is the day I had my twins. My twin daughters were born. He looked at me, and he's like, man you are just this really dumb guy that amazing things happen to. Yeah. yeah. And only way a brother could say, and you, you know what? for Hallmark. Yeah. <laughs> that, yeah. But that's, that's totally accurate description of myself. So I've just had this just crazy compliments of like, just things just landing and I just, I just roll with it, right? Um, so I like to, and I, I fully believe that, like, but it's, it's being open to these interactions. So I think that's the only thing that I've done right is that I'm open to it. So Chris Puccini, how did that happen? I, I'm going to step it way back. I had to, uh, I was kind of put in check in my old firm with going back a ways. And the real person that was a wild, most transformational person in my entire career, even to this day, was a guy named Andres Pastorizo. And Andres was doing a project in India. And it was a rundown project without a big fee. So, of course, they had a cheap young guy work on it. I was working on a project that I really wanted to do, a housing project, and they pulled me off of it to do this, and I was angry. I was so frustrated, like to do, it was some master planning exercise, it was all, like I I got pulled on a Thursday and it was due on a Tuesday, so it was going to be like a weekend grind. Your best work. And and this guy, Andres, knew I was in a bad position, knew that 
knew that I didn't want to be there, but he made it fun and I grinded and I was like, you know what? I'm going to make the most of this. And I worked all weekend. I, I did 3d models. I'd had a 2d physical model that he had to fly off with to, um, to take with him and all these other drawings. I, I just really knocked it out of the park. And then four months later, same thing happened again. He was doing a Hyatt hotel, funny enough in, in Marrakesh, Morocco. Yet he was the global guy who traveled a lot. So same kind gray of time. Gray hair glasses. Yeah, yeah, gray hair glasses. <laughs> he was actually Dominican, Andres Pastorizo, but he had gray hair. Um, fascinating. Uh, to this day, I stay in touch with him. Same kind of deal, grinding brutal hours. That happens to the young architects all the time. And I really stuck the landing, and I, I, I was tempted to blow him off a few times, but I really stuck the landing. But anyway, fast forward. I had tried to build this co-working space in Delaware. At this point, I was fed up with WeWork, and there's a whole story to that. I was fed up in the architectural world. I'd kind of butted heads with so many people, and I'm like, I want to go try my own co-working company, and I was shopping around Delaware. And I was just at a bar with Andres. He became a drinking buddy over the years. Um, we liked the same type of music. We would go to live music together. And he said, I have a cousin in... Uh, in Delaware, who's and you're from Delaware, who's married to a, to a real estate developer there. I don't know how big they are, or what they do, and uh, if you don't mind, I'll connect you guys. So this is a guy I met in New York, has no ties to Delaware outside of that, and he connected me, and it was Maddie Buccini, Chris wow. Buccini's cousin, uh, and and just the and the happenstance that I happened. There were so many times I was tempted to blow off these projects, and yeah. the fact that I didn't, right, yeah. Yeah. has changed my life. And the fact that I worked really well, he loved me at that point. And so much so, you should have seen the glowing review, which I, like, copy and paste today, because I'm like, <laughs> that he gave Chris about, like, this guy is legit. Like, if it wasn't for him, there'd be no WeWork. So that was, like, which is totally, like, <laughs> not true. I put totally that on a shirt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, th and, like, it was this glowing review, and Chris was like, my man. So, like, there was, this was coming from his, you know, by marriage cousin, this glowing review. So he's like, where do I sign? Yeah. And before you know, I'm walking out with a, you know, a couple million dollar investment to build this thing. Yeah. That's awesome. That's and it was just great. Like talk about just happened. Like what are the chances of that? Right. right. Yeah. But he wouldn't have passed you on if he didn't believe in you. And he wouldn't have believed in you if you didn't put your work in to do Early the other project. So yeah. yes, it was accidental. And, and that's what like we keep wanting to stress to people is that Yes, those random things. Random things happen to those that are prepared to accept it. Like right. that, those that good luck could come to you if you're ready and willing to do it. You know, and, yeah. and if you're if you put in the effort before, and um, and I think getting out there is just like getting out and bumping into these people and and um, listening to people as well. So it's not just all about you. It's 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 hearing what other people are working on as well and getting them to open up about what they want to do and what their hopes and dreams are. And uh, you being willing to share that too, I think that's something that um, it always frustrated me when we would go to uh, events. We were trying to break into Philly, and we would go to the Philly Ad Club, and everybody there is, you know, about to do the next big thing, and they've yeah. got these monster clients, and, and they're all thirty days away from closing if you know the paycheck, <laughs> if the invoices don't cash, yeah. as we all were. You know, yeah, yeah. but they were all, you know, big and we're up there saying, yeah, we're looking to do this and this, or we want to move into the area and we think we want to find, we're looking for a technologist to do this or we're looking. And we were very open about these are things we need. These are things we want to do. And I think more often than not that helped us because people were like, oh, I can help them. I can connect you with somebody. I can, I can do something. And I think that people that are too closed off and feel like I'm going to do this all myself or I'm going to, 
I've got my solution in front of me. I just, you know, I just need to do it. Like they're missing those opportunities for other people to help. Right. And I think if you can open up um, and be as public as you can be about your deficiencies, what you what right. you want, what you right, need, right, right. particularly in a co-working space where somebody over there might be able to give you an hour of time to right. fix something on your project, and and all of a sudden you're you're gangsters. Yeah. Um, and I think that that that's something that as an entrepreneur. Um, there's such a mindset of you have to tell the world you're perfect and you have to tell the world you're great and you're the next big right, thing. Right. And I think we're all, like you said, at the top, we're all just sort of guessing, you know? And, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I think these sort of spaces and, and opportunities to have these interactions when you have them, to be honest with them and to listen what they're, they're offering, but just sort of be, be also open to saying, here's, here's where I could use some help. Right. Yeah, it's like counterintuitive, right? Because like, yeah. if you're in a there's a chapter in the book that wrote, engage your brand. It was, don't I've be that, that guy. But don't be that guy. And it's like, but it, it's counterintuitive that the person who goes out and says how great they are. And it was like, it's, it's like the last person you want to be hanging around. But the person is humble and says, Oh my God, this sucks. Right? Like we, yeah. I, or I'm having a hard time doing this. It's the person that probably attracts more people yeah. to help them out for yeah. sure. Right. And you got to know when to flip that, right? I think that's one of the beautiful things of an informal place like the mill is you build relationships and you can kind of be more open. And in a curated sort of setup, you find people are not as open, right? When you go to these curated networking events for these one-time things, it's hard to like be as open. Even though like I've gotten better at just being like, yeah, man, brutal right now. (laughs) Everything sucks. Like I'm dropping the ball over here. I'm doing this. I I think that comes with confidence too, though. And I think like that's why I think there's something you said about like Patrick's going to go on to You guys are going to go on to your next third, fourth, fifth companies. And that confidence to say that you don't know stuff comes, I think that's one of the factors that makes reoccurring entrepreneurs successful, right? That's mm-hmm. why people target them. That's one of many. One, you kind of know the pain points, you know, when, the, when like you can get through this, right? You have, a, you take a longer view the more times you do it, which I think equals success almost in every case. But but that like confidence to be like, I don't know, man. And as the older, I think I know myself as I've transformed, it's been, I talked about it early on, but it's been humbling. Every yeah. company I got myself involved with, I've been humbled in one way or another. <laughs> and so now I'm at this phase of like, I don't know, man, but I'm going to try, I'm going to figure it out. I'm yeah. probably going to drop the ball here, here, and here. And I think that just comes with time, right? Sure. To become a better, more experienced entrepreneur. Sure. But I remember the younger me that could do no wrong too. Yeah. That was like, oh, I got this. Those guys are idiots. And I, I, you know, now I'm just like, I feel like it's not defeat is not the word. Cause I keep going, but it's yeah. just sort of like, yeah, I don't know. You know, just being open, like, I have no idea how I'm going to solve this thing. But uh, do you have any idea? Like, uh, well, And I think people are more willing to help you. When you're open. Yeah, yeah if they, like, like, we all want to fight that fire. We all want to, like, solve that problem for you. Yeah. Or for anybody. Like, that, I mean, that's why we do Wordle. Like, we want to solve that thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And if you've got a problem and they've got a way to help by, hey, I've got a brother, I've got a cousin, I've got a somebody um, that can help. It, they don't know what help you need if they don't know what help you need. Like they, if you can't clearly outline. Yeah, like, yeah if you can't be comfortable enough saying it. Yeah, like I'm, you know, we're struggling with payroll companies or something, you know, or, or whatever it is. Uh, I know um, the restaurant group that I own now. We've been trying to get into North Wilmington and Wilmington area, and I'm very open with it. And I'm like, yeah. you know, we we swung and we missed, and we're dying to find one in there. And then um, another restaurant group reached out to us and said. 
we got a spot, we're not going to reopen, do you want it? We'd like to have you as our neighbor. That would, I don't think that would have happened if, one, we were dicks the whole time. Right. Two, if we didn't openly say, we're dying to, you know, we're, we're looking to expand into Wilmington. Right. And just put, outline the problem. Yeah. That's what we're looking for. What do you guys think? And there's, there's a school of thought that, oh, you got to keep all that stuff closed. You got to, you know, keep your I, secrets. And I, I just don't think that makes sense. Especially, I think, especially in this modern day era of, I think it's quick to start, quick to finish businesses and like things kind of move quickly and you don't have time to keep your cards closed. Like yeah. you got to kind of, yeah. and, and, and if you're not leveraging so many other thoughts and ideas in this day and age too, of that you could, you're really going to be far behind the eight ball. Yeah. If you're not able to absorb and take in advice, which is a personality trait and also self critique, but also just throw it out there and take it back. Right. Like I think that's right. the number one skill that successful entrepreneurs I've seen can filter out the bad information, <laughs> but also be open to information, like open to the feedback, open to listening to yeah, new yeah. ideas and, and new approaches, and, and cast an idea, casting stuff out there. Like, yeah. dude, I need help here. Like, what right. do you think? Right. But we've also seen the people who give really crazy advice, and you're just like, oh, okay, like, <laughs> and, and being polite about it, but like, oh, all right. <laughs> we all gone through that, but you got to be open to it. You got to keep moving past those. Feed you know? the mayonnaise to the tuna. But you got to know, yeah, you can't listen to everything, but yeah, exactly, exactly. Oh. You had mentioned that you had some ideas that when you're mapping out a space to encourage these accidental interactions, or at least that's what I heard you say. Um, yeah, yeah. Like, what, give us some of those thoughts. Well, uh, again, and I didn't just, I didn't just... Um, the mill wasn't just like this is Rob Pereira you're welcome like beautiful design everything was thought through I had so I got to fail on WeWork's dime right I got to like make mistakes and from a they're thanking you now <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Well, like, and all the movies that are coming out now there's yeah, like a yeah, Jerry Leto movie that's on Apple Plus yeah. I think it is yeah to, one, one quick note on that like it's all a little too embellished right like from, from what I see I have a, a lot of issue with it because I think the real story is even more interesting, right? Like of the WeWork story, but that's, that's, that's a podcast for another day. And I think that, um, the, what, what confidence it gave me with WeWork though, was that I got to see these young kids with a lot of money making the same mistakes that I can make, you know, like nobody's perfect. Yeah. And that's what I took away from it. Like, Hey, wait, I can, I can screw up just like they're screwing up. And this was before they were screwing up. This was when I left, they were getting these huge valuations and everybody's like, what are you thinking? Right. But like, thank goodness that happened or else I'd be like having mental health issues. <laughs> yeah. Right. But, um, but anyway, so I would track the one thing that I will take credit for in architects build places and move on. I was fascinated with looking at things that we already built and like how people interacted with it. So like, I'll, I'll talk through some of the nerdy details, but like that film is the eighth iteration that I've done throughout spaces. So like, um, for conference, for conference, the shadow or the what do you call it? The clap. We're looking at a glass that, door that has like a film on it to, it's, for privacy. There's privacy film on this wall. Privacy film. And then when we talk, like, and I'll get into the answer your question of the informal yeah. interaction design. Yeah. But um, when we first uh, revamped a WeWork, these were all glass, and they were very fishbowl like. And when you're in a space where you're not all working with the same company, you kind of like don't want people looking in on your business, right? So we filmed the whole thing so natural light could come through but the problem is like when you're in a meeting they didn't know who was in the meeting so you open the door to see what was going on okay so then we filmed it but then people were like it was awkward when people were looking in so we got to this height where people could see what's going on in here but they couldn't make eye contact and couldn't see the screen well so there was a lot of thought to that <laughs> height 
Yeah. And that came after just asking and talking to people. And then in terms of, we started tracking how people move in the space, what they used, what they liked. Um, we, things like, I learned that like a round table, it's very unlikely that you're going to sit at a round table with somebody else that you're not working with or collaborating with. It's just a human natural thing. So you wouldn't post up for a day at the, like a round table out here and somebody else would post up like somewhere else. It's just a human thing. They don't feel comfortable. But if you get a linear setup that's long, like the docking station out here, right. and put a barrier in the middle, like you might sit, you can sit humans closer together. So it started becoming like a, a, like a social experiment, right, of how humans interact in space. Right. And we started watching and, and we wanted to maximize efficiency, maximize space, how close can you get desks together. And then how do you foster and channel everybody to one place? So like one thing is when you post up, it's with power and data, people want to plug in. You can kind of control the masses and the seating setup that way. So we started using power strategically. So you see that bar there has power, right? But that's for people to work. Where there's no power outlets by our bar. Okay. Because people would post up and work there, which would deter interactions. Oh, right? interesting. So we took all the power away from the bar area right, so that right. people were incentivized to like, if you're there, you're not working, you're like right. collaborating and talking. And, like, right. and that wasn't done right away. We kind of learned those things to intentionally. Oh, that's interesting. So like that's one example of that, that, that bar is meant to host and be happy and like, like, or have happy hours at Thursdays and, you know, and there's no power there because it would be weird having happy hour if, if you're there on your laptop with your headphones on. Right. So we would curate that movement. And then also in the corridor, like having places to stop and catch up, like you want hideaway spaces that are very secluded. Like we have phone booths that, that we started doing early on. Now everybody does um, that you really acoustically are private, visually are private, you're closed off. And then you kind of have semi-private rooms like the conference rooms that you'd see in. And then you go through these different tiers of kind of checking the boxes of privacy to non-privacy okay. to very public and open. And that's where, and you force people they don't even realize they're doing it, but they feel more comfortable socializing in specific areas based on what you, you gave them. That's really neat. That's really and we learned that over time. Right, right. And so, like, it's kind of a social experiment in an office environment. Wow. Which was fun. It's like designing a city at a, at a micro scale, you know? I, it, this might be urban legend, but I heard that, like, Steve Jobs organized, I think it was Pixar and maybe Apple when he came back, to encourage these informal interactions and he had the bathrooms famously apparently like they were all in one spot like they weren't throughout the building so everybody would have to walk all over like so you'd bump into each other at the bathroom all the time yeah and there's something to that you yeah know? i mean there's something yeah. to like forcing that like hey what's up lee like <laughs> right did you ever deal with that one issue you were talking about like, right you know like <laughs> right right and it's fun nowhere to, just, to hide yeah yeah <laughs> it's, it's i don't know it's it's just so it's so cool and then when you're grabbing a beer too you're you're celebrating someone's wins or, or talking about some, some issue, like, and then you're bumping them into them a week later, just walking down the hallway, and you feel forced to, like, oh, I know something about Lee. I'm going to say that. Right, you know? right, right. And then causing those interactions to take place is huge. That's awesome. Anyway, I'm obsessed if you couldn't tell. Like, I, <laughs> you know. This is great. Anything yeah. else you want to throw in? No, I guess, you know, if I, as I look back, like just in closing, and I love you, any closing thoughts for people who are out there, like the entrepreneurs that are looking for those accidental interactions. Every one of our successes, the, the biggest clients we got, even the smallest ones we had, were, were something that was unique. You go into the Chamber of Commerce meeting. Us. Oh, that's right. And being, and being um, interested in other people, like never discounting 
the salesman who was trying to sell something, but just hearing their story or um, running or doing the things that you like, whatever. There's, you, you gotta throw, it's not luck. It's like throwing yourself into the situations where luck comes to you or that type of thing. That's the stuff that I encourage. And I think you have to be genuine and genuine's huge. Yeah, yeah. People and, can feel that. Yeah, and the, and your interest in them, like find something. If they're talking about something you have no interest in, find a common sports team to talk about, or you know, or yeah. your kids go to a similar school or play a similar sport, or you find out they like a certain type of pen, and when you see something about that pen, you pick it up and give it to them, or you know, I don't. Yeah. But like that, those sorts of by getting out there and be openly interested in just talking just not yeah. saying like how can i talk about my project but just talking yeah um being cross of eyesight um they're an interactive agency in philly he and i met there was a networking event at philly ad club and we were both unhappy with it like it was just full of posers and you know yeah, yeah. puffery yeah, yeah, yeah. dot com uh, days and stuff uh. And so he went to a bar, went to the bar in the hotel room, and I went to the bar in the hotel. We just sort of sat down and started talking. We both had the name tags on, and, start, and I'm still really good friends with him to yeah. this day. Yeah. Um, it's something that we've bounced these things off of each other when we've had challenges. Hey, how did you deal with this? And it all because came out of it because we were both just open to meeting other people and, and sharing sure. things. Yeah. So, I think I think that's huge. And again, to impart that on anybody listening particularly entrepreneurs like it's an opportunity to do something that you really love to do you know like and 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 i love interacting with other people i love hearing their stories i love hearing what drives them and there's nothing more exciting in this day and age to like hear somebody who just obsessively learned one thing <laughs> and went after it and i might not even be into that thing but i want to hear that story right yeah. right and and those kind of events have gotten that for me and like staying open to that but then then flipping that on like where I am, am today, like, and I don't know if that's a Steve Job quote or not, but if you're doing something you really enjoy doing and you're obsessive over it, then you're never really working. Yeah. You know, like I really yeah. legitimately enjoy what I do. Like, awesome. I, I, like I like building cool spaces. I love interacting with people. I love the, the entrepreneurial culture. Like the soul psychology gives me such... And part of the, 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 it gives me such optimism to finish out that thought, but part of the hardest part of the last two years is that our revenue didn't fall off too bad. People still need business address, but it was coming in here and not having that happen yeah, was so depressing yeah. because I, I take so much strength and, and my faith in humanity kind of fell down a little bit, right, in the last two years. And there's a lot of reasons as to why that is, but like, we've all seen it, right? Yeah. But then seeing entrepreneurs coming back now and seeing how they interact and seeing the energy of these problem solvers, like seeing that come back, it's just like, oh, thank God. That's awesome. You know, like there are, you know, like our, like to take it on a bigger scale of like, there is something beautiful about our country and yeah. it is set apart from everybody else. And I'm, yeah. I get to see it on my front doorstep. You know what I mean? There is, there's brilliant people out there solving problems constantly, yeah. you know? And I honestly, me, myself, knowing that and seeing it all the time, forgot it, right? Like, <laughs> and like, if I could say that with entrepreneurs, follow what you love and come in here and like be real problem solvers, like I'm just addicted to that culture, right? I'm addicted to that personality type. And you can feel it when somebody's really working through problems. And like, when you see somebody's really in the grind, like, ah, like, that's awesome, right? <laughs> like, there's nothing, it's an addiction, right? Yeah, like, yeah. I'm never going to retire. I'm going to die doing something. <laughs> Starting something up. 
it, yeah. just because I, you can't stop like it's yeah. just a it's it's almost a curse right like a, but you can't stop like it's i don't i can't sit on a beach somewhere with with my time oh i can for a little while but, but you know what i'm saying but like i'm building a co-working space on that beach yeah, yeah. yeah. whether yeah. it's a co-working space or like some other crazy idea like i just i i just love stumbling through these things and i love sharing problems with people and i love yeah. trying to be a just an app i just love the the way the sausage is made when you're building a company too, like the messiness of it. Yeah. You got to embrace that. And if you yeah. can't, if you don't enjoy that messy process, then this isn't for you. Like yeah. you, nothing's going to be perfect. Right. Yeah. But well, awesome. Well, Rob, if uh, somebody listens to this and wants to come to the mill, how do they, how do they do that? Um, you can go to our website, www.themillspace.com. And then you can just inquire through there. Cool. Um, and we've got so many talented staff that are happy to give you a tour, show you around. Multiple locations. We've got two locations now, and we're, we're looking at a few more. That, awesome. Um, one popping up in Pittsburgh here shortly, right. and um, hopefully one or two more in Delaware. That's awesome. TBD. Cool. Yeah. Sweet. Well, we'll put the link in the show notes, and, uh, and thank you very much for your time. Thanks, thank guys. You. This was awesome. This is great. Yeah.